The Anchored City podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denina Athabascan people. City Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Kiekenfeld. The introduction to a paper released this week from the Centers for Disease Control titled Public Health and Homelessness, a Framework, reads in part, over half a million Americans experience homelessness on any given night, and more than 1.4 million experience it at some point over the course of a year. Between 2016 and 2020, the number of people experiencing homelessness increased. The homelessness epidemic is intertwined with other epidemics, both infectious and non-infectious. Over the past two years, the crisis of homelessness has been compounded by the largest pandemic in the last 100 years. The pandemic has laid bare the immense need for improvement in public health infrastructure at its interface with homelessness. One of the authors of that article, Dr. Emily Masitis, is my guest today as we consider the public health hydra of homelessness. Here's our conversation. That I have yet to cross And I have dreamed of faraway places Where imagination just gets lost And I would search the wide world over For one proverb that is true But of all I'm an epidemiologist and I'm the senior advisor on special populations to the deputy director for infectious diseases at CDC. Um, Our work covers both homelessness and incarceration. And listeners might guess from that introduction that you live in Georgia currently, but I know that you have lived in Anchorage. So um, what brought you to Anchorage? How long did you live here? And then is there something you miss about Anchorage now that you're living somewhere else? Um, yeah, that's right. So, re- so right now I'm in Atlanta, which is where the headquarters uh, for CDC is located. But I was in Anchorage for just over three years, from 2016 to 2019. I originally uh, came to Anchorage because I was assigned to the CDC Arctic Investigations Program, which is a CDC branch that's based in Anchorage. I was um, an Epidemic Intelligence Service Officer, which is CDC's boots on the ground program for outbreak investigation. Um, So that's what I was working on there. And uh, certainly I miss a lot of things about Anchorage. I think one major thing is um, just the community that that is uh, part of being in a smaller city compared to a larger city, but also um, 
the mountains. I miss, I think about mountains a lot. And I spent a lot of time thinking about uh, Fire Island Bakery. It's one of my favorite bakeries. That's great that you think about both the mountains and the bakery. I love that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, because this podcast, we're going to be talking a lot nationally today, but because this podcast is, is kind of hyper local, I'm, I'd love to hear what your history has been of working with homelessness, specifically in Anchorage, before we move on to kind of the work that you're doing with CDC now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my work in Anchorage is what kicked off what I'm doing right now. So when I when I got to Anchorage originally, I believe it was my second day on the job that the team at the CDC Arctic Investigations Program and the State Health Department identified a few cases of a severe bacterial infection called group A strep. And um, these cases were among people experiencing homelessness in Fairbanks and Anchorage. So as the number of cases Grew, I was assigned to follow up in my role um, as an outbreak investigator. And previously I had worked in global health and I had done some work with refugees, which is aligned with homelessness in that it's related to displacement, but I hadn't worked directly on homelessness in the past. And I learned so much in that investigation. And a lot of what I learned was about how big the gaps are at the interface of homelessness and public health. So to address the outbreak itself, we, we had to work together with homeless service organizations, with the state health department, with the Anchorage Health Department, with South Central Foundation, with other community groups. It was a really whole community effort to address that outbreak. Um, and so that taught me so much about the partnerships that are needed to do the work at the interface of homelessness and public health. We were able to intervene in the outbreak with those partnerships. And we also put together a general infection control handbook for shelters. And that's when I started to turn a bit more towards CDC to say, how can we build up the work across our agency more broadly and pull together resources related to public health and homelessness? So that, that brings me to kind of the next question I wanted to ask you. We've been talking this season on this podcast about the hydra of homelessness, this idea that homelessness has lots of heads um, and lots of different things that are connected to it. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure public health for a lot of people would be the first thing that would pop to their mind as one of the, the heads of the hydra. So would you, um, I think listeners might be want to know kind of how does homelessness and public health intersect? Would you be able to help us understand that a little bit? Oh, sure. I, I think that illness and risk for disease um, would definitely be considered one of the heads of the hydra of homelessness. It's also a bi-directional issue if you think about the relationship between health and homelessness. So at baseline, poor health and poverty are entangled together. And so poor health and homelessness are entangled um, if you think about a more immediate context, you can picture how some health conditions can cause ma difficulty maintaining employment, um, and then that can leave people in a precarious position related to paying rent. So there is a way that health can be, uh, be a, in a causal pathway towards homelessness. Um, but then if you think about it on the other side, let's say you've just lost your housing, whether or not that was related to your baseline health, then the conditions of homelessness itself affect, affect health in, in so many different ways. Um, it's difficult to be able to take care of yourself from a prevention standpoint if you're experiencing homelessness. If you already have a chronic condition, you might have a hard time making it to doctor's appointments. You might not be, have a place to keep your medications. It might be difficult to carefully manage your diet. 
In terms of infectious diseases, the places where um, you access services might be crowded. Um, if you don't have housing, it might be hard to find sinks to wash your hands. So we end up seeing increased risks for disease across the board. Um, our team focuses on infectious diseases and we see huge risks, sometimes 50 to 60 times higher risk for people who are experiencing homelessness than people for who are housed for certain infections. And then this cycle just perpetuates itself as being sicker makes it harder to move forward to resolve homelessness. So you may have just answered this, but as a senior advisor on special populations for CDC, that leads me to believe that the CDC sees homelessness as um, a special population. What exactly makes it a special population from a, um, an infectious disease or a public health standpoint? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So um, part of it is what I just said in that um, people who are undergoing the experience of homelessness are in a period of increased risk. And that means that public health agencies like the CDC need to, need to pay special attention to homelessness. But there's another element too, and that's that people experiencing homelessness have unique needs in terms of how we make sure public health protections are available. Do we have preventive actions that make sense for the context that people are in when they're experiencing homelessness? Do we have information that can really reach everyone in the community? So that's another reason that um, special populations, you know, need special attention. So I guess I understand why you and CDC would be interested in um, homelessness as in a special population as far as infectious diseases go. But why should listeners, so just the average person on the street, um, be interested in homelessness and public health? Like, why should they, I guess, in a way, why should they care about this issue as it relates to homelessness in their city, say Anchorage or anywhere else? Yeah, you know what? I think that that listeners um, in Anchorage and, and maybe anywhere else are probably really interested in actionable information that can help people experiencing homelessness. So if disease is one of the heads of the hydra, then public health is one of the swords that can help cut it off. There are tangible things that we can do, very concrete things that we can do to help support the health of people experiencing homelessness. And there are tangible things that public health agencies can do to help support the end of homelessness itself. So I know that um, the CDC has just released a paper called uh, Public Health and Homelessness, a Framework. And it just came out maybe in the last week or so. And in there, you all talk about a, a framework for kind of addressing homelessness from a public health perspective. Can you share with us sort of what you've been, what you get, you all have found and what you've written in that paper as a proposal of how, what, what's maybe a direction forward? Yeah, well, you're very much on the cutting edge because um, that uh, was part of a journal supplement that just came out tomorrow, or yesterday. So that was very recent. Um, it, it's a supplement in a medical journal called the Journal of Infectious Diseases. And this framework is a, a way that we can think comprehensively about health and homelessness with the objectives of protecting the health of people experiencing homelessness while working towards the end of homelessness itself. So we describe uh, four layers of health protection. They expand out from focusing on the individual level uh, of healthcare to social structural changes that are needed to alleviate homelessness. So the first level is individual level healthcare. Um, and so that's making sure that we can reach people experiencing homelessness with appropriate and sufficient healthcare um, with um, strategies like street medicine, 
respite care and things that really are addressing what people need on an individual level. And then when we step one layer out, and as we move out, we're moving more towards prevention. Um, then, then we're moving towards um, public health prevention, disease prevention, and that's where public health agencies can play a role in making sure that data are adequately collected related to homelessness and health um, and, and can tailor public health interventions so that they can reach people experiencing homelessness. And then if we take another step out, um, that's where we'd be thinking about, well, how do we start resolving homelessness that's occurring now and how can public health partner with homeless service agencies um, so this is where we want to be thinking about how, how, where is the health, where is the health element in rapid rehousing? We know that housing is stabilizing for people and helps them um, achieve greater health. So how can we partner together to reach that? The, then the final layer is about preventing homelessness before it starts and thinking through all the ways that public health, healthcare, homeless services, and housing partners can work together to address the upstream determinants that affect both housing status and health status. So I, I wanna mention that if, if folks are interested in reading that paper, I'll have a link in the show notes um, that you can go to it. It's, it's a quick read, but I think it does a great, great job of not just providing a framework to think about how to address homelessness, but also, um, kind of naming a lot of the heads of the Hydra actually, as it goes through the, all the different complexities of this particular issue. Um, you mentioned one thing early on in your response when you were talking about healthcare, this is the idea of street medicine. And I, I wonder if you could explain to folks what that is. Cause I think often we think about accessing healthcare by going to the doctor's office or those type of things, but what does street medicine look like? Yeah, that's a great question. And and street medicine is a really wonderful set of programs that brings medicine out to where people are when they're experiencing homelessness. So teams of clinical providers will go to encampments, will go to um, uh, where people might be staying in their cars and will provide medical care there. And this really, I think, um, shows something that we've learned in a lot of ways not just for clinical care, but also for public health interventions that when people are experiencing homelessness, their, their opportunities to use transportation um, to get across town are limited. And if we want to be able to have um, equitable access to medicine and to public health, we need to bring it to where people are. Um, and street medicine is a really wonderful example of bringing care to where people are, wherever that might be. I guess one more follow-up I would have about street medicine is just how common is that kind of nationally that there are teams working in different cities that are doing that type of thing, bringing the healthcare to the folks where they're at, as opposed to the model that many of us are used to of going to a clinic or the doctor's office or ER or whatever. That's a great question. I wish I had an exact answer for, you know, exactly how many cities have street medicine teams. Certainly larger cities commonly do have street medicine teams. There is a street medicine institute that, um, that helps uh, coordinate, provide continuing education. Um, 
they are based in Pittsburgh. Um, and if you get a chance to talk with them, I think they would be really wonderful to have a conversation with too. Great, thanks for giving us kind of a direction to look in to, to learn more about that. So I'm gonna ask you kind of a question that I've been asking a lot of folks, and that is this magic wand question. If you had a magic wand and, and you could just pick one thing um, that would alleviate homelessness, and we'll think about it nationally this time, but it may have application in Anchorage as well. What would you choose to do with your magic wand? If you could just do anything without any barriers, um, what would be the first thing that you'd do? I think that's a really interesting question because it's kind of like asking which head of the Hydra is most important and which, which one would you get rid of first? Um, so I think I will probably answer in a way that is not directly related to the work that I do because in the work that I'm doing, I feel some level of empowerment to make progress forward. Um, but there are other areas where I feel that I wish I just had, you know, I wish I did have that magic wand to just say, this will no longer happen. And so I think that if I were to choose that area, I would want to focus on something nearer to the roots of homelessness. Um, and, and really, you know, when I think of that, I think of the relationship between youth trauma and youth housing instability um, and those kind of early early childhood determinants that are related to homelessness if i could if i could take a magic wand and and erase those that's that's what i would choose to do so I'll end with this question before we go to i guess there's two questions left but the last one's sort of here about directly about homelessness but um, what is something that folks, um, you would like folks to know about homelessness that maybe often gets missed? What gets overlooked that you would like them to know about? Something that um, it's not necessarily missed, but is not always directly acknowledged is the racial inequities in homelessness. Um, in Anchorage specifically, and really throughout Alaska, there's such a huge disparity in the proportion of people experiencing homelessness who are Alaska Native. And uh, that needs to be addressed head on and acknowledged um, that racism perpetuates homelessness. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the numbers definitely show that. And it, I think you're right. It's something that maybe we know, but nobody wants to say. So I appreciate you being bold enough to say that. The final question I'm going to ask is one that we ask all of our guests, and that is, what's a spiritual or self-care or mindfulness practice that you do to keep yourself centered in the middle of all the work that you're doing? Um, for me, one of the things that I think is, is really important is writing. So I spend a lot of time writing. Um, it's a way that can help you work through the depths of issues, especially things that have many parts to them are complicated um, or that have heavy injustices like related to homelessness. Writing allows all that complexity to exist and it, it allows you to release it in a way from yourself um, and get it out onto a page. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's a good way to yeah, kind of work through things and, and get it out there. And sometimes exactly. writing, I think, like I find sometimes when I'm writing, I discover things that I didn't even know I was thinking show up on the page. Exactly. So, and I think that's, that's so important because that's how you you identify it and let it go. 
Well, Emily, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us and to share a little bit about how public health and homelessness intersect. Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm so glad that you are taking the time to dig into this topic. And with all those lessons learned with the crazy long life that I lived already and the scars I earned, I still can't seem to find the answers and all the questions I never knew. But loving you just once was worth it, even if I, I can't have... My thanks to Dr. Masitis for joining me on this episode. If you want to learn more about homelessness and public health, a link to the article Dr. Masitis talked about and that I quoted from in the introduction can be found in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Joel Kiegenfeld. Be good out there. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you're informed, inspired, encouraged, or just plain enjoy this podcast, will you do me a favor? You will be rewarded. Go to whatever podcast app you use and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Those ratings, reviews, and subscriptions help more people find and listen to us. I also encourage you to like and follow the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative, the organization behind the Anchorage City Podcast, on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, we're at Anchorage UTC, and on Instagram, we're at Anchorage UTC. So what's the reward? Aside from the warm feeling of knowing you're helping to spread the word about this great podcast, if you rate, review, or subscribe to this podcast, and we hope you do all three, or you share a post about the Anchored City podcast on Facebook or Instagram with the hashtag Anchored City, send proof like a screenshot to anchorageutc at gmail.com along with your snail mail address and we'll send a little swag out to you. So once again, rate, review, and subscribe for the Anchored City podcast on whatever app you use to listen to this podcast or share a post about the podcast on Facebook or Instagram with the hashtag Anchored City, take a screenshot, send it to our email address, which is anchorageutc at gmail.com, along with your snail mail address, and we'll get you some free swag for helping us get the word out about this podcast. The Anchored City Podcast is grateful for a grant from Resonate Global Mission and a partnership with Street Psalms, both of which contribute to making this podcast possible. And we're grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you are hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and recommend us to your friends. You can support this podcast by selecting the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative at smile.amazon.com when you shop at Amazon so that when you make a purchase, Amazon donates to us. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. The Anchored City Podcast is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. 
The mission of the collaborative is to train the heads, hands, and hearts of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean the desire to see a world where all things are the way they're supposed to be for all people. Find us online at AnchorageUTC.org or on social media at AnchorageUTC. Our theme music is by Anchorage's own Monica Lutner.